you know, Rob, we were talking about maybe adding some lyrics into this. I was thinking more about that, and uh, I think there's, there's definitely some potential there. I think it'd be more fun to start, but I'm loving the new intro song. How you doing? Weekly Harvest. My name is Chris Folico. He's Rob Mann. Rob, how are you? I'm good. I'm no kind of musician, so I don't know if I'm ready to take a crack at writing lyrics for a uh, for a song, but I am ready to talk some hockey, and we've had a lot more to talk about over the last few days. Isn't this awesome that we're finally getting to talk about the Wheat Kings playing somebody other than the Wheat Kings? Yes, imagine how they feel after, you know, five days of playing against nobody but each other, having to hold off a little bit in drills, having to back off the gas when you go for that hit. And as we talked about on the last podcast, for some of these guys, that's just antithetical to who they are as a player. So now we finally get to see them as they are meant to be. And, you know, they don't look bad. They don't look bad at all. It was a pretty good start, all things considered. It's preseason, right? It is what it is, but uh, it's been a great start. We're going to talk about the games. We're going to talk about what's next. Our guest today, going to be joining us in a little bit, is Brandon Wheat King assistant coach Del Pedrick, as we have made a bit of a tour, Rob, as the uh, hockey ops being here on the podcast. Yeah, we've gone through the whole shebang on this one, starting with head coach and GM Marty Murray to kind of introduce us to some of the newer acquisitions for the team. We've talked a little bit about both history and the present with Mark Derlago, or Billy as I now reflexively call him, and Del Pedrick going to join us to round out the trifecta of coaches today. Uh, so we got ourselves a, a big show on the on the verge of a very big week. Lots for us to be getting through. Uh, not sure where exactly to start because there is so much here, Rob. But uh, one thing I guess I want to bring up before we get into much talking about the hockey is the Brandon Wee Kings always take a lot of pride in us going out in the community, being being a true part of Westman. And the official kickoff to the Wee King community event calendar is typically the Wagatail Walk. And this year, no different. For the 20th time, your Brandon Weekings had uh, 10 different players show on up to Kin Park to help uh, do the, the barbecue for everybody. But Rob, this was your first Wagatail that you actually got to come out. And I'm just curious about uh, what was that like for you? That was the best day. Every other community event now has such a high standard to live up to after that. That was awesome. Anything involving puppies, I'm going to be on board for. And I think my sentiment was echoed by a lot of the players. And I think a lot of them, like me, had to physically restrain themselves from taking home dogs to adopt, including, by the way, Perry Bergson's dogs. We talked about the the two dogs that Perry brought in, the two um, Pomeranians, in very big open quotes, who are very not Pomeranians. Very much German shepherds. Yeah, the German (laughs) shepherdist Pomeranians to ever live. And they were very popular with both the players and the... uh, the the onlookers and the passers-by, they made a lot of friends that day. So I think there were a lot of people who had to stop themselves from, like, taking Perry's dogs home with them and leaving Perry wondering where Fred and Barney ended up. Well, including my eight-year-old. So at near the end of the event, he, uh, Briar was in charge of Barney. And he just he was walking all over. I look over. He took him to the park, like way across <laughs> the playground. He tried to run off with him. He, I, I think he really wanted to. Uh, and there was even a few billets who almost then got some got some new dogs as a bit of a surprise on Sunday. But it was a great event, as always, at all of our community events. Big thanks for everybody for coming on outing and, and uh, supporting it. That one's awesome, though, just because of the dogs and all the great work the Brandon Humane Society does. And that kind of leads uh, into a big game that we have coming up this season that I know we posted about, uh, which we're going to be doing a pucks and paws night here. Now, we've done these games before in Brandon, uh, but there's going to be a couple of new wrinkles to this that we haven't done here before. And Rob, I'm curious, Rob, if you ever have in, in your previous uh, hockey trails, have you ever been to a game where there was dog races on the ice at intermission? 
So Saskatoon did do a Pucks and Paws type night, uh, one of the nights I was there. But if you've been to Saskatoon's arena, you know that on the press level where I work, uh, you're very far removed from what's going on in the concourse and the ice. It's basically an NHL size arena. So you're way up there and you're very far away from the goings on down low. So I didn't get to meet any of these wonderful dogs that were brought in. It was it was soul-crushing, really, is what it was. But I don't recall if they had dog races or not. But I do know that uh, if I don't end up doing play-by-play in the intermission of this dog race, that is a cry for help. Something has gone very wrong. And I am looking forward to seeing the dog races and just... Well, just the Pucks and Paws night in general. That's going to be fantastic. It really is. And we're going to break a little bit of news on here, too. This hasn't been made public yet, but we are working with the Keystone to allow dogs into the arena that night. So as long as you can prove that your dog you know, has their up-to-date shots, they can be out, then we're going to work with you. But we'd love to have the arena full of dogs anyway, but that's going to be a very special night. But it's great to be back in the community. we got some more community events coming up here in the next couple of weeks, so look out on the social media for that. And uh, today, Rob, the guys were out and about doing something else. Soldier for a day day at uh, Shiloh. And boy, if you think hockey players have a hard job, you're probably right, but there are tears of hard. And uh, being a soldier, as some of our guys found out today, a little bit more difficult, a little bit more strenuous. They got to put through their paces a little bit. They got to go through the obstacle course, wear some of that gear, which if you've ever seen any kind of movie portraying soldiers, you know, guys move around a certain way and they seem to be moving relatively easily. You put that gear on and you realize, no, it's not easy. That, that stuff weighs a ton. No, there is a lot more respect that the guys have for everything after it's all said and done, for sure. If you want to check out some uh, some great photos that were uh, sent to us of the event today, you can go across our social media right now. Uh, Twitter has that thing you can't post more than, than four photos, so you can't always get the the best of the best there. But if you go to Instagram and Facebook, uh, the, the, the galleries there are larger, and there's just some great shots. And my favorite, if you go and look at the group shot, the smiles on all the faces uh, of both the instructors at Shiloh and, of course, our players. You could tell that, you know, this this event, it's designed to show appreciation, respect for what they do out there, great partnership. But the team bonding, the team building that comes out of these events, you just really can't beat that time. Yeah, those grins ear to ear on the face of every single player in that photo, that just tells you what kind of time they had. Yes, it was hard work. Yes, it was difficult. But it was the kind of difficult that brings you closer together. And the team has has made a point of doing this in years past. Obviously, during the COVID years, this became very difficult to do. But it's very much part of the connection between the Brandon Wheat Kings and the Canadian Armed Forces that continues to this day. And it's been really beneficial for the players to have that. And, uh, yeah, we love the fact that that relationship is going to continue. And, again, throughout the season, uh, great, great relationship. Um, As we move on on and looking at uh, the schedule coming ahead, we're looking at the stream and – or I should say just the hockey schedule, but about how you can watch these games. And the preseason, Rob, we didn't have – we thought either the last weekend's game on the stream. Turns out the game in Regina actually was on the WHL stream. Even we didn't know this until mid-game, and all of a sudden I was able to log in. A pleasant surprise. It. I was on the app. So I was on the app, and it clicked watch, and I was like, it's not being streamed. I wonder what it's going to say. And the game popped up, and I went, what? I, I okay. Could, I could have been watching this the whole time. So uh, this weekend, the game here on Friday will not be on the stream. Uh, we have to do one more night of internal testing. So you got to be here in Brandon to watch this one. But on Saturday in Moose Jaw, that game will be on the stream. 
And you're going to be there broadcasting live on the radio as well. A double debut. We've got the CHL live debut for the Brandon Wheat Kings, or what was supposed to be the CHL live debut for the Brandon Wheat Kings. Uh, but it'll also be the radio debut for this season of the Wheat Kings as we get the, uh, the the fires put out and the kinks worked out and make sure nothing blows up in my face when we turn it on. So that's going to be a really important event. But it's also going to be a big one for a lot of the Wheat Kings players. That's your last chance to dance. That's the last audition. And you better nail it because there are still roles, ice time, minutes, the whole shebang up for grabs. That's for sure. And if you wanted to uh, watch that game, it's going to be free still. In the preseason, the WHL does not charge. They are part of the, the free view package. If you are looking for the entire WHL package, though, a heads up for the whole 23-24 regular season, you can watch every game in the WHL for 125 bucks. Monthly access is like 30 24-hour access is $10 Canadian, so, you know, if it's a Saturday night, you want to watch a few games, you definitely could, but uh, honestly, for, for, for 125 across the entire league for the whole season, uh, you, you can keep tabs, and even just to watch all the Week King away games, right, for season ticket holders. Yeah, bang for buck-wise, it's pretty clear which one is the best deal, and if you're a Week King's diehard, even if you know you're not going to be able to watch all 34 away games, like if you know that there's something that's going to come up one of those nights, you're probably still better off doing that than, you know, picking up say, 15 or 16 $10 day passes. But whatever you want to do, you know, obviously the options are all there. It's for different people. They'll decide what they want. But uh, that would be that would be my go-to. One thing I love this year is the fact, I just mentioned it on the app, it's now one app to rule them all. The last few years for fans who have been dealing with this, you know, used to have that the Wheat Kings, we had our own app. We had a couple different apps over the, over my, my time here. Uh, then the, the CHL app, then the Watch CHL app. Now it's the one app to rule them all. you got to download CHL app in the App Store, Google, uh, uh, Apple. You can go and you can get every single CHL team on there. You select your favorite team as you select the Wheat Kings. Then in the menu, everything we talk about in our games, from uh, all that live interactive stuff that we always talk about with the check-in to win, uh, with the trivia, with the, some of the new stuff we're doing this year. we got some new interactive games to, to add to it. But our 50-50, our fan saves, our auctions, everything is on that app, and now all the video is too. So if the Wheat Kings are playing, you can get up to, up to the second stats. You can click on the live video, click on the radio feed. Even if you're driving, then get that, you know, if you're out of, out of range from Q Country. But uh, there's never been a better way to stay more connected. So I'm telling you right now, if you're a fan of any team in the CHL, definitely go and uh, download the CHL app. I'm still admiring your Lord of the Rings reference there. I'm still enjoying that. That implies, by the way, the existence of nine apps that were gifted to the race of men who above all else desire power. You see, I did not know that you would go that deep with that kind of a <laughs> reference. Uh, I basically know the one ring to rule them all. <laughs> see, I grew they're up... They're good movies. Oh, but... they're incredible movies. I grew up with them, and I still I still make a point of rewatching them every few years. I'm due for another rewatch. My last one actually would have been kind of in like the middle of the first summer of the pandemic when all you could do was watch things on Netflix and on TV. So I might be due for a rewatch. All right, I got to ask. I know we're talking about hockey, but... Are you a LARPer, Rob? No, I've never okay. been a LARPer. Okay. I'm not, I'm not okay. a cosplayer. Uh, okay. <laughs> although, um, you know, circle back to my uh, early teenage years, and I was a um, like a Warhammer guy. Okay. Going back far enough, I tell people that I'm I'm a nerd who wandered into the weight room by accident one day. That's what I am. Like I'm Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Marvel, the whole nine yards. I'm up to my neck in that kind of stuff. The way you pulled that quote out is all I'm saying. It was very very quick. <laughs> it so. was. It's unfortunately well practiced. Uh, kudos to the WHL who are doing a fantastic job of putting out all these 23-24 uh, season previews. Uh, they've gone through a number of teams already on here, Rob. 
Um, they're they're doing they're doing a great job, including the one that they just did uh, on ours. And uh, across our division, we we talked about this, but we know there's going to be a lot of competition. But on top of the season preview, they just also uh, put out all the players who are going to NHL camps. And wow, the WHL. I, I I know our league is impressive. Every year we talk about how much talent we really have. But when I saw that list, like we were talking on the, when I think the first episode, uh, we were going over the NHL draft at that point, catching up. But now when you see this, that all the invited guys, right, who earn their spots on, like we had Quinn Manti going now to the Calgary Flames, a lot of teams have those guys that had impressive years that are setting up. There's going to be a lot of talent, specifically in our division. And that's where a lot of guys do make their foray into the professional ranks. These development camps are great for that. There are some people I know who kind of roll their eyes at the Penticton Rookie Tournament or the Traverse City Prospects Tournament, and others like it. For me, those are excellent. Because that's the first foray into professional hockey, or at least the first glimpse of what that's like for a lot of young players. And for a lot of those guys, even if they don't necessarily sign with the team that brings them in, that's still a gateway to the pros. The example I come back to, and again, I was in Prince Albert the last two years, so it's easier to lean on examples like this, but a guy like Reese Fatelli, undrafted, as a 20-year-old goes to the Arizona Coyotes and their rookie development camp, does so well there that he gets a look at their main camp and ultimately parlays that into a contract with the team. He was up and down between the uh, East Coast League and the American League last season, and then Landon Kosher's in the same boat. He was in the development camp with the LA Kings, ultimately parlayed that into a professional spot with the Iowa Wild. So for guys who don't get drafted, this is an opportunity to showcase their skills against the guys who have been, against the guys who are established prospects in the NHL, and a lot of them do come out showing really well. When you're looking at this list, so... I know they included everybody, even guys who aren't eligible to return. Um, you know, they put guys on here like Dylan Gunther, Arizona Coyotes. We know what the story last year got traded. Seattle had a, had a great run. Yeah, he's but not coming back. He's he's not he's coming not coming back. But uh, with these numbers, just in, just in the Weeking Division alone, so your Weak Kings have uh, four players who are off to NHL camp. Uh, after that, we have got Moose Jaw has seven players who's away for camp. PA has got two. Regina has three. Saskatoon has six. Uh, no, not in our division, but just a shout out to those defending champs, Seattle Thunderbirds. 14 players from that team are off to a camp here. Uh, and then uh, that was it for our division, I guess. I was going to say a swift current, but that's uh, not going to be happening this year. Although they're going to have a lot of people away at camps six. as well. They've got, they got six, six drafted well. guys. Yeah. It's Yeah, it's just every team in the league has somebody who's worthy of an NHL look. And uh, there are even guys who, you know, for me probably deserve to look at the next level who didn't get it this year. Yeah. Like, so fast forward a couple of years, some more of these guys are going to play their way into contention. Every team has at least two guys who are off to NHL camp. So uh, it should be a, uh, a great season from that standpoint. Shout out to uh, former Brandon Weeking, uh, Jake Chason, who was uh, just a great guest on a uh, CMHA uh, talk podcast. We do a lot of work with CMHA here during the season as well. Uh, Canadian Mental Health, uh, they do great work with the players across. Um, but uh, former Wee King, uh, Jake Chason, was just on uh, on a pod. So, What a remarkable great story that was. I was actually in Brandon incredible. not long after it happened. I got a chance to talk to Calder Anderson about it. And he's a humble guy. You know, He plays it off as, you know, anyone would do this. I did the right thing. I did what I was raised to do. He acted as if it was just the natural thing to do, to stop and help somebody like that. But unfortunately, the proof's in the pudding. That's not always the done thing. It requires a certain level of, I'd say, courage to step up and help somebody that way. And Chason, Thornton, 
Anderson and Richie all showed it that day, and somebody is still with us who otherwise might not be because of it. It, it was a really incredible uh, moment at the at the game too when we were uh, with, with those players were honored with the mayor Brandon coming, uh, giving them a certificate of recognition. Uh, it was all part of a big CMHA thing. So yeah, that was fantastic. But uh, shout out for Weeking, Jake Chase on and and that pod if you want to go looking for that. Uh, Del Pedrick is going to be our guest. I don't think I've seen him walk by yet, but he's we tend to be up here around like five o'clock. So uh, he's still he's got, got time. He's definitely still got some time. Um, so as we now turn our attention to what's going to be coming up, I did want to go through a few things. If you're watching live right now on YouTube Live, big shout out. Thank you. And uh, Hockey Handler, 809 season ticket holder. Just want to say hi. Hey, thank you for uh, for watching live. If you do have any questions or comments for uh, Mr. Del Pedrick, he is going to be coming up here uh, momentarily. Meanwhile, I did want to talk about a few different things because coming up this season, with it being such a huge year, you're going to want to be here for everything. So if you got kids... The Junior Kings Club, it's back this year in memberships. You can get it. It's only $7.32 a game. That's what it works out to. Rob, I know you don't have kids. I do. But to entertain kids for 34 nights at just over 7 bucks a night, I know you got to buy your ticket too, but I mean, you're, you're going to enjoy this. So to bring the kids along and enjoy it too as a tag along for 7 bucks. Pretty good. Your kid can develop the uh, the same obsession with hockey that I did when I got taken to hockey games as a young man. Of course, as I was growing up, uh, you know, I was in Winnipeg, and the Manitoba Moose were the go-to group out there. And definitely getting to go see them on any given night, I know the way they treated the kids was fantastic. That helped build a love for the sport that's obviously never gone away. I'm still working in this field. So if you've got a young hockey fan who wants to see the uh, Wheat Kings up close, this is the way to do it. And who knows, you just might jumpstart a lifelong obsession. And with that, if you do have kids who are busy and, you know, they're, they're in hockey, they're, they're doing their own sports, in gymnastics, I know everybody's got a busy schedule. So the new 17 game plans, uh, even for some of the, some of the uh, winter birds who are going to be heading on down south. You can do a half season. You can pick first half or second half. And then same thing with the split season. It's a split A, split B. So the split season will take it through the entire year. You're going to get a mix of different games, different weekdays, some of the big ones. Um, so say, you know, one pack would have home opener. One would have uh, Willie's birthday. Kind of goes back and forth like that. But then you can catch half the games this season, uh, whatever works for you. But try to be more flexible than ever. And with that said, the most flexible way to see a weekend game is a flex pack. 34 exchangeable tickets. They're good for any game. These uh, are just fantastic for businesses, easy to hand out, and uh, then the person can just go up to the box office and pick any game they want all season long. But uh, we would love to have you out and about. And Rob, this progressive 50-50, it has now surpassed $20,000. Yeah, that was crazy to me when I saw that number. I mean, I know last year's reached an impressive total, but it built up steadily throughout the season. It didn't necessarily rocket out of the gate because, well, you know, it has to be done as Wheat Kings are in the news as they're at front and center of people's minds. For it to already be over $20,000, and we've not played even one minute of regular season hockey, we've only had the one preseason game here, that speaks to an impressive total in the making. When this starts to get into full hockey season, that total's going to jump. I would think that by this Friday's game, this is obviously at the game, it's going to have a natural jump being game day. But yeah, once people are into the final seven days of the draw, just like last time, it's going to keep growing and growing. In the last 48 hours, by the time doors open to the to the finish... Whatever the whatever the pot is, I almost guarantee it's going to double because anybody in Manitoba can buy a ticket for this. If you are listening right now anywhere in the province, that's just the way the provincial uh, rules are. Uh, uh, apologies if you're in Saskatchewan and a big fan. You can just drive across the border. That's all you got to do. 
You just got to get a Manitoba signal on your phone or on the internet. But if you're in the province, you can buy yourself a ticket and uh, you can be a part of what we hope to be a massive, massive 50-50 that will be drawn at Home Opener coming up on Friday, September the 22nd. Regina Pat's in town. It's, uh, it's going to be a big game for a lot of reasons. Home Opener is always a ton of fun. Uh, we're going to get into some of that here in a little bit uh, as well uh, before uh, we're joined with Dell. But um, the, this is going to be a huge night. So if you want to get your tickets anywhere in Manitoba, you can go online to, to WeekKings.com. If you're watching the feed, the QR code was right there. So you can go and you can check it out, but uh, be a part of uh, possibly uh, a record-setting jackpot. Yeah, and speaking of picking up tickets, I've got to give a shout-out to Weed Kings Faithful here because in Regina – the first preseason game of the year. I was there, you know, following along, live tweeting, and make sh- making sure that we had as much in the way of updates as we could. And I know what their attendance ended up being, and I know, like, for a preseason game, that, to me, made some sense. I'm not dumping on the Regina Pats organization. You know, it's a preseason game. You don't always have people lining up out the door and around the block to get in. But then to see the attendance in Regina contrasted with what we got here... Boy, did Brandonites turn out for that game. And I know there's some Brandon guys on that Regina squad, so I know there's some enhanced interest there. I don't think that accounts for all of it. Like, we flirted with 2,000 people for an exhibition game. Yeah, and it was it was a really great turnout, you know, including season ticket holders. I love that idea because, I mean, it's preseason. We want our season ticket holders are typically your biggest fans, of course, because they want to be here every game. So you get them here for every game. And uh, we are a rural market. Right now, it's harvest time. We're the weekly yes. harvest. We we use that term for a reason. <laughs> so we are a farming yeah. community. Go go and figure. The wheat kings are in a farming community. Uh, so when it's when it's harvest time, it, it's tough to sometimes you know get get that farming community in uh, because they we could pay them and uh, hey it's it's harvest. They got to be out in the field. We get that. We respect that around here because we we get it. But when they can make it, when it's rainy, and even on that day, I know there was a little bit of moisture in some parts. People came out. People came out. And all the local season ticket holders, of course, they're going to come out. And we had a great walk-up that day, too. So yeah. there was a lot of people who were interested. And I think it stems from, honestly, Rob, like, this will be my 10th season. This is one of the most excited I've one of the most excited times that I think that this has been since that, like, 2015-16 year. Not to put too much pressure on anybody in part of this, but it's just, it's got that same kind of vibes of junior hockey's a roller coaster. And people are noticing the Wheat Kings are on the rise. This is going to be a big year. It's going to be a big year, and people are going to be a part of it. I want to bring in an outside opinion a little bit to kind of back that up, because there's a Twitter account slash, I'll call them scouting organization, uh, called Puck Preps Western Canada, that kind of exists on their own in this space. Like, they follow a lot of the Bantam kids, and when the draft rolls around, they're the ones that are publishing previews and scouting reports on the top prospects. And like I said, they're not completely alone in that space, but they are one of the more prominent ones. And they were rattling off the best prospect pools in the WHL, and they were basing that on kids born in 2006, 2007, and 2008. Obviously, the teams like the Prince Albert Raiders, who had, you know, three picks in the top seven with 2008, they did pretty well. The Wheat Kings were ranked number five. That means if you add up the 2006-born players, many of whom are competing for roster spots already in their second season, 2007-born crop of players who are going to make their debut this year, and the 2008 group who have been showing well in preseason, and we'll get to a little bit of a roster juggling on that front in a little bit, you add up all those groups of players who are going to dominate the league for the next four or five years, the Wheat Kings have, at least according to Puck Preps Western Canada, one of the best crops of players going forward. And that, to me, is indicative of 
a really good window of opportunity for the Wheat Kings that's going to start opening this year. That's awesome. That's exciting to get that recognition. So if you want to be a part of it all, home opener is going to be the, the day that you can really you know come and be a part of a massive crowd. We're really hoping for another big crowd, though, coming up this weekend. If you're around, love to see you out Friday night. It's only 10 bucks to get in for adults, $5 for kids. If you're not a season ticket holder, as we said, season ticket holders, it's all included. But if you're not, 10 bucks, 5 bucks for kids, come on out. It's, it's going to be another great experience, we hope. And the tailgate party is just right now being announced we said last week rob that we were going to have some news on the podcast this week this is it we're about to break this for you tailgate party keystone center south parking lot going to be happening at home opener from four until six o'clock five bucks is going to get you a beer or a pop for the kids smoked pulled pork sandwich we got some traggers coming from cnc rick at cnc is getting like he's getting reputation Talking about food He's on the podcast again right before dinner time. I know. We can't help it. It's five. What are we doing? What are we, this but it's, gotta be it's it. pulled pork. we got to talk about it. It's going to be so good. It's going to be so good. Uh, and that's all thanks to uh, our friends at Maple Leaf for helping donate that. We're going to be having chips from Old Dutch. Uh, we got Pepsi products there. Uh, but five bucks going to get you a beer or a pop. And the, again, the pulled pork and chips. We're going to have games there. Face painting, sign making. All the classic tailgate fun. It's happening in the south parking lot. So we'd really love for you to come on out. Four to six, and then doors open at six o'clock. So literally, as long as we're not in any uh, issue of maybe a possible fog bowl, then the south doors will be open. So you can go and uh, you can just literally walk up the stairs, go right in. If there is an issue that we got to maintain the, the humidity, then we need to uh, keep the south doors closed. That's going to be kind of like a game day situation. Um, but tailgate party. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. Uh, speaking of the fog bowl, one thing... Uh, Rob, is people have uh, noticed that inside of the arena here, there was something installed over the summer. And yes. uh, people were like, what? Is that like an air conditioning unit? They kept saying, what is it? It looks like an air conditioning unit. Dehumidifier. But... And if you were here for the Fog Bowl a couple years back, you understand the necessity. Yes. So uh, there is a defogger installed. Now, it's not the permanent one. There is actually a much bigger plan that's going to be in place. And for that, next week on the podcast... We are going to have uh, a couple of very special guests joining us as the owner of the Brandon Wee Kings, Jared Jacobson, and the acting general manager of the Keystone Center, Connie Lawrence. They're both going to be on the pod, and we are going to have uh, a very special conversation with some other news that we're going to be uh, breaking at that time. But next week, it's going to be a very special edition of the Weekly Harvest with, again, Jared Jacobson, owner of the Wee Kings, and Connie Lawrence, acting general manager of the Keystone Center. If you are a season ticket holder of the Weed Kings, or even a, a regular fan like somebody who's in the building an You're awful lot, want to hear yeah, this, this is this is one you want to tune in for. Now, not to self-aggrandize, but you do want to tune in for every episode of the podcast, ideally. Of course. And not only tune in, but just so you know, the way the podcasts work, uh, we can't see how many streams there are, though the services do uh, track downloads. So, you know, if you are, like with me, my, uh, the way I do my Spotify podcasts, when you follow a podcast, you can just choose to download, like, say, the last three. And then that way it doesn't eat up all the space on your phone. As they come out, it deletes the oldest one. But then you always have us uh, wherever you go. So if you are a fan of the Weekly Harvest, uh, we'd, uh, we'd love for you to not just follow us, to make sure you're downloading the podcasts and uh, yeah, and stay along because we will have a lot of special guests as we, as we continue the season here. We will. And, of course, the coaching staff has made up our guests so far, and they are in the midst of some difficult decision-making because if you missed that recent series against the Regina Pats – 
we talked a little bit about the fact that the backup goaltending battle is going to be fascinating all through camp, and that's going to be one of the biggest things to watch. And it has been. I don't think it got any easier. Oh, boy. Like, you went from Nick Jones pitching a shutout in Regina to Ethan Eskett surrendering one goal on 28 shots. Combined 62 shots on goal, two games against the Regina Pats, one goal against. And I know it's preseason. I know that there's a lot of 2008-born players in the lineup, and I know that there's a little bit of disjointedness when it comes to, like, certainly power plays. We talked a little bit with some of the guys about that, about how you know they really haven't had time to go through all the systems they need to go through. And for that matter, most teams don't have all the personnel that they're going to need when that comes about. But even allowing for that, a lot of goals in a lot of other preseason games, like I watched the Raiders play the Blades uh, after we were done here, Dominic Peters' overtime winner against Spats, and that was a 4-3 game. Sloppy, just with more pucks going in the net. But in the games against Regina, you had some great goaltending. And it's worth pointing out, by the way, good goaltending at both ends. Ewan Huey in the game here, uh, 41 of 43, I believe he was, and the last one that beat him was Dominic Peter on a breakaway. Sorry, Dominic Peter on a 3-on-0 that he treated like a breakaway, and thank goodness he did because he scored it on it. It was the flying V in overtime. I think that might have been in Huey's head. Like, he's looking, and Peter's, you know, pass-first guy from what we've seen. He's looking, okay, where's this puck going to go? Is it McQueen? Is it Alec? Who's it going to Oh, he shot. Okay, well, game over. Yeah, and with, like, three seconds left. It was uh, it, w- it was awesome. And, you know, we are talking earlier about the size of the crowd. We lost so many over. We didn't win a game in overtime last year. It uh-huh. was, it was, it was, let's not get into that. But it was so awesome and positive to win a game in overtime, and the fans that were there, the faithful, that knew what we went through last year, they they erupted as if we just made the playoffs with that goal. Like, those those 1,800 people that actually came out, it, it was loud. If that goal happens in a regular season game, that's a Weed King's heritage moment. Like an <laughs> overtime winner with three seconds left on the clock, yeah. and it's a rookie forward making his debut at Westoba Place. Yeah. He scores in overtime with, you know, two probable future NHL first round picks flanking him he elects to keep the shot and buries it like come on that's a moment of the year type thing it just happens to happen in preseason yeah it was, it was pretty special so we'll see what happens this weekend but we'd love for you to join us on Friday night with Moose Jaws in town uh, we did get a question here uh, from uh, Billy on the YouTube channel will there be family packs offered again this year yes Billy there are actually so to pull back the curtain we were literally just working on that uh, here right now Technology is a wonderful thing, but it's also a very frustrating thing, as I think a lot of people can appreciate. Uh, the way that digital tickets and, and all this work, to take seats in the system and segment them for all the different things we have, it requires a lot of back-end work. Uh, so it has to go in stages. So single-game seats were just released last week. Family Pack is coming up. So stay tuned. It's going to be happening in the next little bit for sure. Watch our social media. We'll bring it up next podcast as well. We'll have a graphic that will pop up on the screen and all that. But Family Packs are coming back. But we said we wanted to make this as easy as possible for everybody to come on out this season and enjoy the Wheat Kings. Um, it's shaping up to be, a, to, be, to be a great year. And I know that uh, we have a lot to, to get through before uh, we even get to home opener, though. Yeah, and you said that technology is great when it works. It seems like it'd be a great year, but it seems like it's still so far away here. It's all so close and yet so far, and I'm sure the coaches would echo the sentiment because they've still got decisions to make, and we'll talk a little bit more in depth about it when when Dell arrives, but they have already made some decisions. A couple of 2008-born players have been sent back to their respective clubs. We're still figuring out exactly where they're going to end up. There's no guarantee that a 15-year-old is going to make his uh, his U18 AAA team, but that is a pretty good bet with most drafted players. 
Uh, it sounds like George Pantelis is headed back to RHA Kelowna. Not a surprise there. He was so good for the U15 team. I think the expectation is he'll be pretty good for the U18 team too. And then Isaac Davies, who was such a thorn in the side of all of his opponents all camp long and through that first preseason game, he's going to go back to the Alberta AAA ranks. And it sounds like his plan is to try out for the Airdrie Extreme uh, U18 AAA program after he did so well with the U15 side last year. There are going to be a lot of eyes uh, on the prospects here this season just because of how great those guys did look in both prospect camp and this main camp. There's not putting any pressure on, on, on some of those young guys, but uh, the, especially like those two you just mentioned, uh, Pantelis and, and Davies, they, they turned some heads while they were here. And not just the drafted guys either. I got to give Chris Moulton a shout out and no, his staff as well. We can go through a list well. of names yeah, right like, now. Like, wait for Dell, honestly, but guys who, because this is the pod, we can just do free form. Some guys yeah. who just like stuck out in your mind from this past weekend, um, or sorry, like from, from the last two weeks now. I mean, Ben Bindernord looks like if the mantra is to be harder to play against, that's your guy. He's, you know, six one, about 170 right now. You know, lots of time to pick muscle onto a frame like that. But he's agitating. He's even going at his own teammates. And I remember thinking, okay, I know he's not going to get an exhibition game. They want to send him back to AAA, bring him back here, you know, with it with a little more, uh, a little more of an established sense next season. But boy, is he going to be no fun to play against when he finally gets into exhibition games? The guy just has a motor that won't quit. One of those guys with no setting between off and high. And he really wants to get another other player's skin. It seems like, uh, as far as finishing ability goes, and I apologize if I'm if I'm mispronouncing this, but uh, Michael Leanders, who was so good all throughout camp and in the black and gold game, it seemed like he has really good touch around the net. Really strong first season in U16 slash U18. He was called up, so there's some definite potential there. I was talking, we were talking to Moltz on this very podcast about the fact that everybody who was brought in for camp, even the guys who were unsigned, undrafted, had legitimate opportunities here. And they really did feel that way. It felt like everybody who was in camp deserved to be in camp and belonged in camp. Yeah, I, th- that was exactly... Like, everybody was pulling at the same level. There was no guys who looked like they were out of place, which is very nice. It's also, a, I think, a testament to the new WHL, to the way it used to be in, say, like the 90s. What these guys are doing in the summer is not what it used to be. And when they're coming into this, it's it's not training camp to train like it used to be. This is you're coming in and it's full speed and all the guys took it seriously. It's a tryout. It's it's not a it's not get back into shape. It's you must be in shape to do well here. And you know, the guys have obviously put the effort into to get to that point. There is one drafted name I want to mention after a couple of skates. And again, we talked about him a little bit on the podcast with Moltz. Grady Hope has now been through two exhibition games of the Week Kings. And for my money, he's been strong. He's mixed it up a little bit. He hasn't backed down despite the fact that he's 16. Decent size kid. He's 6'1", probably, you know, 180-ish pounds, if you believe the uh, the weigh-ins, which we do. And he's looked good on the ice. He doesn't look 16. That might be a function of his size. But he doesn't look like a 16-year-old out there. I believe our weigh-ins now. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm going to say is that maybe a number of years ago, Maybe not so much, but uh, across a lot of teams, now it's all pretty. It's all pretty. It's standard. pretty good now. Like if I walk past somebody in the uh, in the hallway and it says they're six feet tall, I'll walk past them, you know, six foot myself, and I'll look over and be like, okay, I believe that that guy is six feet tall. There were a few guys in my early years in junior hockey where I'd be walking past them, I'd be like, no, I, your your height's inflated. Either that, or I'm six foot three. 
one of my favorite parts about that is that one day, uh, Roger McQueen, here's a little story. He was just standing by the player entrance. He was in his sandals. He wasn't his ice time. Oh, I remember this. Remember this was at the end. This was when yeah. uh, Nate and Barney and... Uh, I think Charlie Ellick Charlie was still Ellick. on the yeah, end they, yeah. they were just still just doing a little thing, messing around before the next session came on. And Nate's not short, but he would skate by on skates and Roger's still looking down to make eye contact with him. Nate is six foot two, by the way. <laughs> there is just this, uh, he's just, he's a monster. And it was awesome to see him on home ice this past weekend. We didn't get to see him a whole lot in camp, but he came on out and he had a great game. Him using his size. Yes. Just getting that active stick and some of the, some of the hands, like it's going to come. He hasn't played in a little bit, but what he did in Holinka Gretzky and then what he just showed flashes of it's preseason, but I thought Roger looked really good as well. What I like to think most of all of that, because the puck protection's great, the, the hands are solid, I liked him using his shot more. And there were a couple times where he took that shot, and he's got such a big frame, he still gets it away in a hurry. Like, you think about a guy like that ripping a puck, he's got to reach way the heck out to the wrong side of the rink to pull it in and, and let it rip. He still gets his shot away fast. And there were a couple times where he hit Huey in a place that goaltenders want to be hit, because the puck kind of naturally sticks to them at that point. And it hit Huey in those spots... And it still produced a rebound because the shot was just coming in that heavily. And if he can carry that over, if he doesn't beat goaltenders cleanly, he'll at least give them fits. And if he's giving them fits, some of these guys who make their living around the blue paint are going to be able to pitch in. Uh, and then his uh, uh, teammate at Holinka Gretzky, Charlie Ellick, on Boy, the point good. in that, that, that point shot, it wasn't a bomb. It was, it was a wrist shot, but you could tell the calmness. He was just composed cradled the puck, saw the opening, knew the goalie was screened, picked his corner. Everything about it was just, you could tell, it was just a great defensive play. Really excited to see what Charlie Ellick brings here. Yeah, and if you watch the black and gold game, which I get the sense a lot of people in the uh, in the stands that night did, you'd seen that shot before. And it becomes a lot harder to write it off as good luck when you do it on a regular basis. For the record, I don't think it is good luck. I think he knew exactly where he was putting that puck. And I think that because I've seen him now do it before. He did it in the black and gold game from almost that exact spot on the ice and picked almost that exact corner. He knows where he's putting that puck. And if he gives the Wheat Kings that kind of option on the power play, there was something that was maybe not there all the time last season. I mean, I know when I saw the Raiders play the Wheat Kings, it was pretty common for a first power play unit for Brandon to run five forwards. But if you've got a steady, effective, reliable point shot to work with like that, your power play instantly adds a dimension that wasn't there. Or it could be like, say, Luke Shipley on the blue line, and he could just be a forward, because that's what we saw this past weekend. Yeah, and he and he and Malyavin were both uh, roving up the ice. But if you missed the game, Shipley was quite literally a forward. Yes. The Wheat Kings were down a few extra bodies, and Shipley, being you know a smooth skating guy, likes to lug the puck up ice. He's the kind of guy that you bring in and use as a forward. And he quite literally was one. Every defenseman I've ever talked to, because, you know, you play rec league hockey, everybody plays every position. Every now and then the defenseman on our rec team will talk about, ah, it's got to be so easy being a forward. You just go out and score goals. You don't have to back check in rec hockey. Nobody back checks. So we'd put the defenseman up at forward from time to time. They'll come back to the bench and, you know, bent over. I didn't know there was so much skating. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of skating when you're at forward. Luke handled it pretty well. I mean, there's a defenseman who liked to pinch, who then can surely have hands around the net, which we saw last year. So I don't, I don't mind that move, especially preseason. No. Doing that. And then, yeah, then when it comes to time of power play, you can pretty much play both roles. Yeah. 
Look who it is outside the glass. It's Mr. Del Pedrick at uh, at 5.16 when we were saying that we were going to do this around uh, 4, 4.45. But that's all right there, Del. We're just going to transfer this over. There we go. How are you? You all right? Were you lost out at the base at Shiloh? You're out there today. Well, we were dodging uh, the odd grenade, so we survived. That's the good news. <laughs> How It seemed like a gr- all the photos we posted. We haven't talked to you about it yet, but uh, the other guys said they had a great time. It was a real good time. A full day. Uh, last year, we only got the half day in, so the fellas uh, got a, the real experience, and uh, it was a bit of a grind, so they, they got it out. Did you get to run the obstacle course? I didn't. Uh, we split the staff up. We, we sent the young guys, so Zach and uh, Mark DeLego were out there in the morning, and uh, they were part of the, of the uh, obstacle course, and I witnessed that last year, so it's a, it's a tough run. Uh, actually, the team relays in the, in, the, in the military area afterwards are probably equally as tough. Talking to Zach, I don't think he was, uh, I don't think he was all that keen on running the obstacle course, but he got, he got through it from the sounds. Yeah, they didn't tell any stories, so uh, I guess maybe they uh, had bought the silence from all the guys. I'm not sure how they pulled that off, but they, they kept the stories quiet. So, Del, we were uh, just talking about a lot of different stuff now because we've been <laughs> chatting for 45 minutes. Been here minutes. for five minutes, and he's been thrown so thoroughly under the bus already. So, yeah, uh, but we really, really appreciate you coming on in here. Anybody watching live on the YouTube channel, if you have any uh, questions, uh, by all means, you can drop them now. Uh, but we were talking about some guys who really impressed us from training camp into the first preseason games. A lot of the names that you expect us to be talking about, but from your point of view, who are some of the guys who have just stood out really, really, you know, highly regarded? Well, I, I think some of our young guys have come back and taken a step the way we expected and uh, really wanted to. Uh, a guy like Caleb Hadlin, and uh, what a tough year for a 16-year-old. You're trying to get him in 40 games. He breaks his leg at the at the U17s, uh, so he comes comes back. He's had a great summer of training. He trains in Red Deer alongside Nate Danielson, and uh, his work has, has shown. Uh, and another guy that was delayed getting into camp, uh, Roger McQueen, uh, a little bit of an unknown. He had a great uh, uh, Ivan Halinka tournament there along with uh, Charlie Ellick, and uh, both guys came back ready to go, and, and, and they're, they're showing well. And uh, One other guy that really jumps to mind that uh, really – Took the bull by the horns as young Carter Klippenstein. A big body guy, was very quiet early in camp when the level wasn't that great. Um, but he's a young guy. When the level stepped up in that uh, black and gold game, he was right there and uh, didn't shy away and looked every bit a part of it. By the way, when we talk about Caleb Hadland, that game against Regina, he scores the only goal. Two goaltenders combined let in one goal, and I think it ended up being 63 shots. Hadland scores the only goal. He named, he's named first star. It wasn't just the goal for him, was it? Like he looked like he was involved all over the ice. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Rob. I, I think uh, little plays he makes. Um, he's a pretty smart player and uh, making little plays along the wall. Um, he's a guy that uh, if you're a player, you don't mind playing with. He, I think he thinks the game and makes those little plays and makes your job a lot easier. You mentioned Caleb Hadlin. When we were doing the video of you guys loading up the bus for the first time, it was Hads who was put in charge of rounding up the rookies and showing them, sorry, not the rookies, rounding up the young players and showing them the ropes about how they do it. And the veterans, of course, everybody who knows their roles already. But there is a learning process to even just that, like the physical stuff you need to do that's different from any other league when you come to the WHL. 
when you have a, a kid like that, Caleb, who can take that leadership role and really show everybody the correct way already after just one year, that's got to give you a lot of confidence in him as a person as well. Absolutely. You start to identify those leadership qualities, uh, Chris, and, and I think that's something you, you look for, a guy that takes the charge of that. And a lot of people may underestimate the value of those kinds of things. Uh, loading the bus is key, uh, not so much when you're pulling out of the Keystone Center because you've got a little bit of flexibility. We always build in extra time. Uh, but when you're loading up in, in Saskatoon at, at minus 40 or what have you outside and and you've got to get them out of, the, out of the facility and maybe on to your next game or you're hitting the road. Every minute counts, and the efficiency is real important. And uh, it was real good to, to see that uh, the release and, and see guys like Caleb getting involved and uh, helping the young guys. And everybody does their job. Uh, the expectation across the board is everybody pulls their weight. But if, if you don't have a ringleader there, it, it makes it difficult, and it, and it makes your evenings sometimes longer than they need to be on the road. If we focus on the individuals for just a little bit longer here, he's not with the team anymore as of yesterday, but Gio Pantelis gets put in a heck of a spot. He not only has to play in preseason against guys who are much older than him, he's got to play out of his natural position. How did he handle that for your money? Uh, he was fine. Uh, Gio uh, was, uh, for, for me, the first time. Uh, I missed the spring camp, the development camp piece, and uh, for me, the first time to see him live. I've watched some video on Gio. And uh, he actually played some forward. Uh, leading up, I think last year was a full year of defense before he, he's been a forward, and uh, I thought he stepped in and played just fine, and sometimes that's the, the way the, the game goes when you've got bodies or injuries, as, as we can all attest to. Uh, you get in the middle of the season, you need someone to step in and, and fill a role. Maybe they're not comfortable, and that's, that's the beauty of team sport. On that note, and I don't want to get too much in the details because we can't reveal too much here, but the team was short a few bodies for that game on Saturday against the Regina Pats. Is health starting to return to the group? Uh, it's promising. Uh, it's looking a lot better. Um, people probably scratch their head as they sit back or they're coming into the stands on the other night and go, how the heck uh, do we have uh, this many guys out this early? It, it shouldn't happen that way, and it's just the way it goes. Sometimes it's training-related. Sometimes it's just the, the freak nature of, of, the, of injury. It just happens when you least expect it. And But I, I think we're on the upside right now. Uh, We've got guys, young guys like Ethan Odit ready to stick his nose back in after an unfortunate little mishap there in camp. And a uh, guy like, like I said, Roger McQueen has, has come on now, and that's obviously a concern. So um, now the latest on the on the list was Joey Bymiller, but uh, he was fairly active there today and looks like he's making good strides in his recovery. So knock on a little bit of wood. We'll uh, be on the right side of the, of the injury front soon. There we go. And then you, you know, on top of that, you've got the guys away at NHL camp. So a lot of teams have to deal with adversity this time of the year, uh, but it, it almost kind of helps those young players because it gives them more ice time, right? It gives you more chance to kind of develop them and get them ready for what could be their, their first taste of WHL action. Absolutely. Uh, again, you're in a team sport. It's got to be the next man up. And if, if you're not ready to fill that role, are you ready to be of any role at all? So it's important they're able to do that. So, Dell, uh, you've been with the team now for a couple of years, but... Unlike the other guys that we've had on here the last uh, couple of episodes, you're not a Wheat King alumni. So I want us to peel back uh, for the Wheat King fans. Let's go back. Let's talk about uh, where you grew up because you are a Manitoba guy. I'm a Manitoba guy, yeah, a Southwest Manitoba mm -hmm. guy. So uh, Brandon was our center growing up, and uh, it was our big center. I grew up in Lynn, Manitoba in the Southwest, basically 20 miles from the U.S. border, 20 miles from the Saskatchewan border, and uh, uh, Brandon was our big trip. Uh, the Wheat Kings were our big team. Um, this is uh, 
growing up uh, be- before the arrival of the Jets back in the National Hockey League, or into the National Hockey League originally. They were a, a World Hockey Association team back in my day. Uh, so we had a lot of connection through through the Wheat Kings, and this is where we came to, to see the higher-level hockey. Uh, so you grow up there. What was your uh, what was your first uh, ex- experience? Do you remember uh, like your first Wheat King game? For sure, for sure. I remember them. Remember them well. The, the heyday when uh, I guess back when the West was one, maybe the Wild Wild West. Uh, yeah, I, I remember it well. Uh, whether it's the Wells brothers, uh, um, uh, lots of lots of rough and tough hockey players. Uh, Lots of line clear, clearing brawls and all those things. Uh, I remember the days of split warm-ups, for goodness sakes, where, where the, <laughs> oh, wow. well, they'd fight and warm up all the time. So they came up with, with a rule where uh, the visiting team would come on, they'd go on, and they'd warm up, and then they'd kick them off the home team. So uh, can you imagine playing a Western Hockey League game, warming up, and then sitting there for 15 minutes as the other team warms up, plus the flood? These days, it's 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 headline news if somebody looks at somebody the wrong way and warm up. You know, it's it's just not the same league. No, not not at all, not at all. Um, yeah, like I say, I vividly remember uh, uh, Hextall chopping somebody with his goal stick to start a, a full on brawl, um, and and he chopped them probably close to the to the players' box. This isn't around the goalie crease, so. Yeah, just just total craziness, and and the game has come a long way. And, and Rob, you're absolutely right. There's penalties and fines now if you skate over the red line in the in the warm up and whatnot, and, and all for the better probably as as the game evolves. And uh, that's the nice thing now. The game's a lot more skilled than it once was. But uh, give those guys their due. There were some pretty good players, uh, the Ray Ferraros of the world, and and uh, Kelly Gloa. Uh, they were they were sweet players and and a guy that would come in here that I know fairly well and I worked with back at Notre Dame, Dale Durkatcher, Jada Pats, probably the uh, the best player not to play in the National Hockey League to come out of the Western League in my opinion. His son, by the way, Dace, is now on uh, WHL radars. He's in camp with the PA Raiders and uh, has survived their first round of cuts. So the next generation of Durkatch may be on the way. Just yeah, to the wrong city. Yeah, absolutely, and Dace a fine young man and good little player, and uh, he made his made a little bit of a splash at the Canada Games last year with Team Saskatchewan. They had a had a pretty good run with uh, our own Joby Bymiller, and uh, so Dace, uh, I hope the best for him. I, I get on the ice with him, or I used to get on the ice with him doing some development stuff a couple of years back, so looking forward to, to him hopefully breaking into the league soon. So, Dell, you grow up in Westman, following the Wee Kings, everything, you know, you do your whole career, which... When Perry interviews anybody, Perry Burks and the Brandon Sun does a great job. So if anybody wants to learn more, I would encourage them to go read the Brandon Sun article because Perry does more than we could do. But what I want to talk about now is since you've now joined the franchise, uh, there's been a lot of changes, uh, you know, with just the construction and everything that's now given to the players, giving to the coach and staff uh, with the training facility, the relationship that's been building over the last few years with WCHA and the JNG Homes Arena. Just kind of tell me, like, what's your current state of mind about working in an organization like this and where, where this club is going? Well, it's certainly first class here. Our, our facilities are, are renowned here. I, I think um, they're as good as any in the league. Uh, it helps with the recruiting piece. Uh, it helps with preparation and everything. When you talk about preparing hockey players day in and day out, we have no excuse uh, not to be able to do it, from uh, accessibility to, to the ice, to the training equipment, to the personnel that, that, that Jared has in place. 
uh, skills coaches and everything, uh, there's no excuse for that. Now, with that being said, our job is to marry that. It's not an automatic. Uh, you've got to instill some uh, certain principles and expectations, and I, I think Marty and, and uh, Billy and I uh, have done that from a coaching perspective along with our skills coaches in Riley Dudar and uh, Tyler Dittmer. Um, so there's some expectation there, and we got to put those to use and, and keep the, what I would call the fire burning brightly, the fire in the belly to, to get better and really really drive themselves to the next level. You talked about internal expectations there and about the idea of players being driven and playing the game the right way. How does this group shape up in terms of their mentality and their approach to the game from what you've seen from them so far? Well, they're, they're taking the steps. Um, we still people ask me all the time, what's the team look like? How's it going to be? And I think... Uh, there's a lot of optimism in our room, as there is in every uh, WHL room this time of year. Everybody's excited about their, their draft picks, about their young guys, and about returning guys coming back and taking steps and being better. Uh, so we're certainly encouraged by that. Uh, we're under no illusions either that uh, it'll be a tough year for us as well, uh, as we kind of saw in the preseason, as we saw early last year. We, we struggled to score goals, and it is a tough league to score goals in. It's not, not easy anymore. There's an adjustment period. Uh, so, but we're excited. I, I think they're starting to to get that that sort of thing, and and that culture takes some time to to take root. Uh, you can say it all you want, but uh, let's go back to the Caleb Hadland story. Those are the differences that make a, make a difference. Those little things. Uh, I'm not sure anybody told this story, but but character pieces uh, that really drive that culture. Um, Happened about a week and a half ago. You talk about all the negative press around hockey right now, the Western Hockey League, and how our, our poor young junior players are getting sledged by by media and, and the perceptions of, of what sort of culture we have. Well, let's tell more of the stories of Carson Bjarnson. I come into camp, uh, I think it was on a Saturday, and I walk up the ramp, and there's garbage all around this garbage container. And I kind of walk in and go, oh, something's gone on. Somebody's gone through the garbage or whatnot. Well, 20 minutes later, uh, Marty had come in. He went and picked up some snacks and stuff for the camp. Guess who's cleaning up the garbage? Carson Bjarnason. Those are the character pieces that really make a difference. Uh, the good people we have in that room, we have a lot of belief in them. And uh, that's the expectation we see away from the rink because you can't just turn the switch on and off. It's not a matter of walking in the dressing room, putting your skates on, and all of a sudden turn the excellent switch on. It's something you got to do all the time, and, and we have people in place like Carson to do that. We've we've talked about that. The Wee is trying to develop good people, right? And that goes into the draft as well. Like that that's a huge part of it is the scouts not just looking at the stat line, but talking to the families, talking to, to you know, the other the other players about the kids' character. And uh, that's one of the things I know I always look out for is when guys like Chris Moulton, when the draft comes around and ask him, you know, or Marty about name a few words that describe this guy. If they say leadership or you know anything like that character I'm so more excited than skill because it's those kind of guys that can help change change the room, and then they help out with those skilled guys too. For sure. And, and let's be honest, uh, when the league is so competitive as it is, uh, the difference makers have to come from within that room. Um, you can only pull so hard as a coach or push so hard. Uh, the difference has to come from the engine. The engine are those guys that hit the ice every day. I do see a couple of players from that 2006 Burke year who were captains or leaders on their U18 squad. And we talked about Kleppenstein. He's a guy who was a captain for that EDGE program. What does it do when you bring a guy like that into the room who not only has that leadership pedigree, but who, as you alluded to, puts the work in? Yeah, that's the biggest thing. And, and, and leadership can be a misnomer sometimes. Is uh, 
a lot of young kids or a lot of players, period, in my experience over my time in coaching, and, and that's across the board, whether it's in hockey or other sports and the leadership piece. Everybody wants the recognition to be a captain. Very few really want to do the down, dirty work of being a real leader, and, and that's, that's where it really makes a difference. And we talk about real leadership. Those are the guys that are, are willing to challenge their, their teammates in the right way, make them better every day, uh, I always say the real leaders, uh, and I believe Clipper's one of these guys, are the, one of the guys that can swim against the stream. Uh, if there's 15 guys going the wrong direction, we need the six or seven guys swimming in the right direction, and that'll slowly turn the tide. There's a lot of hockey fans that uh, follow what Detroit has done and Steve Eiserman across his career and just trust, trust the Iser plan. And when he selected Nate at ninth overall to go in the top 10 and all that confidence that obviously him and the organization would have in a character like Nate and what he showed last year as a co-captain, which can be really difficult when you're talking about controlling the room that it can be, it can be beneficial for some teams and in other aspects, it's a little tough because there's not that one message who's being coming down for this year before he left, there was no mistake. This is Nate Danielson's team. So when he gets back and he puts that C on his Jersey, working with those young guys, that must be a really exciting prospect as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, Steve Eiserman is probably one of the epitomes of, of leadership uh, in our sport through, throughout the, all time. And uh, the way he runs his organization is close to his chest. And uh, so when Nate got that call, you kind of recognize what, what he values. And you're absolutely right. Uh, Nate's team, and I think Nate knows it. And the nice thing about Nate, uh, it's not only about him, but Carson knows it. Uh, Q knows it. Most of the other guys in the room know it. I'm glad you brought up Quinn Manti there because he was a guy that we Kings fans have not had a chance to see in the exhibition schedule and won't because he's off to camp with the Calgary Flames. But there's a guy, you're returning defenseman of the year, who's definitely going to have some expectations of leadership put on him. What do you expect from him this season? Yeah, about the same. And and, and another guy, kind of an unassuming guy. Um, he had a tough start to his year last year. Uh, I think when I, when I joined the team, he was coming off an injury off season where he couldn't train real properly. And... Uh, so to see his growth in the last part of last year was, was certainly a, a thrill to be a, involved with that. But uh, our expectation is him to take another step and for him to get off to Calgary, and that's all part of your plan. Usually you don't really want to throw those guys into exhibition preseason before they're heading into their pro camps. And real excited for him to go to Calgary and, and grow more as a player, learn from the, the older guys he's going to rub shoulders with and all the players there and, and bring that back to our guys. And and you just watch Quinn uh, on a day-to-day basis. It could be a skill session here the other day with Riley Dudar and, and Tyler Dittmer. Uh, he's out there working not only to be his best, but it's feedback to other guys and uh, encouraging other guys and putting that little bit of a, a leadership uh, bug on him too that he takes very seriously. Well, Dell, we've uh, only got a couple of preseason games left, and then we are looking forward to the massive home opener. Before we let you go and we get out of here, i got to ask, how was the first bus trip of the season? How was it getting back on there? At least it was kind of short. It's great. Uh, you know what? When, when you're in this business, everybody says, well, how do you ride those buses all those years and, and whatnot? And, uh, With scooter is usually how people phrase that. Well, 100%. Scooter is right across from me. So <laughs> I got Scooter and Zach. Uh, we're kind of in the in the second tier of the bus there. And, uh, you got me right behind you. And you Rob's, man. Rob is right in the same neighborhood. Yeah, they the put Bermuda up. Triangle over where you are. Well, they, they got to put all the best. We're kind of we're coveted, right? So... <laughs> If something happens to the front of the bus, then we're kind of got a little bit of a buffer to us. And, and same thing with the back. We're kind of the buffer between the front and the back. 
but it's great to get back on the bus. Um, there's always a there's always a, a go 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 at home, as you guys know from the day to day operation, the game day operations, Chris and whatnot. You get on the bus, it's pretty simple. You've already got your your plans in place. Meetings are already done. It's it's go time. It's show time. It's the players' time. That's a fun time. By the way, speaking of Scooter, I've got to give him a little bit of a redemption from his appearance on the pod. When was he sleeping? Was it Kemney? It was not. No. Not only was it not Kemney, it wasn't Verdon. He was still awake when we got to the Red Barn in Musiman, and on the way to Regina, the man did not snore. Not even once. We we threw him thoroughly under the bus on that run. We had a little bit of help from Billy when he was on the uh, the podcast last week. We talked about his. Um, Sleep apnea. Yeah, yeah. And, his, and his ability. His, <laughs> his ability to sleep instantly. His uncanny instantly. ability to just lights out. Gone. He kept himself awake pretty well on that trip to Regina. So uh, maybe a few things were overblown. There you go. Can you can you, can you ever sleep on the bus or just no? Oh, yeah. No yeah, trouble at can. all. Sleep on the bus and, and you got it. That's, that's part of the routine. If I don't sleep in the bus, it means I'm, I'm going with a lot, so a lot of lack of sleep and you can't do that. Uh, Dell, thank you so much for joining us here and talking to us for a few minutes. Better late than never. Hey, appreciate it. We were seriously like, I might have to just stall and then uh, just uh, give, grab you next week, but so happy to see you walk by the glass here. Appreciate the opportunity. It's awesome. Uh, that's Del Pedrick, our guest here for episode number 61. Quickly before we wrap up, I uh, just want to shout out to Hockey Handler, uh, Billy, Mike Jeffries online, uh, all commenting and just uh, following along. For everybody uh, who does follow along live on the YouTube channel, of course, do appreciate it. This is a podcast, though. Chances are you're listening to it uh, across whatever podcast server you happen to use. If it's Google, if it's Apple, if it's Spotify, whatever it is, we appreciate you liking and following and, uh, and downloading. And again, next week when we return, it's going to be a very special edition as we've got Jared Jacobson and Connie Lawrence from the Week Kings and the Keystone, respectively, with uh, some major news, Dell. that's going to be uh, very awesome for everybody, coaching staff and fans, going forward. So that's it for the Weekly Harvest, episode number 61. Have yourself a good one. Cheers. 